0: Um, So first, I want to point out that with our soccer team, it is the first time that we've won on the field, but we've had multiple forfeit victories, (laughs) which tells me that a lot of teams are kind of intimidated about the prospect of playing us. So I don't know. Take that how you will. Um, But okay, so I'm going to read a passage, and it's uh, in Luke uh, 24, verses 13 through 35. You guys have your bibles i think it's yeah it's also going to be up on the screen if you have an angle to uh, (laughs) see it um yeah it's a bit of a long passage so just uh, kind of bear with me but um the context is this is just after uh the resurrection on easter day and uh two of the disciples of jesus not um the 12 that were with him all the time but um two guys that have been following him around and uh learning from his teaching and, um, kind of being discipled by him are, um, somewhat discouraged by the, the, um, crucifixion and they're headed out from Jerusalem on this long walk to a village called Emmaus. Um, and it doesn't say why they're doing that, but they're, um, basically headed away from the center of all the events that have been taking place. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Um, And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are! that is the disciples that were with Jesus the whole time. And those with them assembled together um, and they were saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to uh, Simon Peter. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. i pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you for um, allowing us to share your word together and I pray that um, as we explore it now that my words would be few and yours would be many. And that our hearts would be open to your to your love and your teaching. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so I think that there's, there's obviously there's a lot in this story. Um, and there are certain elements of it which are really specific to the context of it. Um, being on Easter and with the resurrection and the death of um, Jesus. And... Like, the first of of those parts of the story is that Jesus uh, appears to the two disciples there um, because they're heading out from Jerusalem because they're discouraged um, in the context of his death and at his apparent failure to um, redeem them and and fulfill all the promises that he said he was going to have. And they were discouraged because of that. Um, But Jesus came to show them that he was, in fact, alive. And he had defeated death and fulfilled all the prophecies which were spoken concerning him. And he gives a statement of the necessity of his suffering in order to enter into glory. Um, and that's all really specific to the resurrection and to the context of um, them being on the road to Emmaus. Um, and I think all of this is really important for us to pay attention to. And, and there's more. There's other things, too. For example, Jesus rebukes them for not believing what the prophets had said. And like we can think about that in terms of this story, but also applying it to our lives. Because like when I think about the things that I read in the Bible, I tend to spend a lot more time thinking about, say, Paul's letter to the Romans or to the Corinthians than I do what the uh, prophets, like what Jeremiah was saying. I can tell you all the parts of Jeremiah or (laughs) Ezekiel, but Jesus is actually saying that it's actually crucial for us to understand. the words of the prophet and believe believe what the prophets were saying. Um, but I think there's also a lot of other things that we can pull out of this story that are not specific to its context. Um, and I think that's kind of that's one of the beauties of the things that Jesus said and the things that he did is that you know on the surface at face value, um, like in the context of the story, there's a lot that you can pull out of it. But there's also he also speaks in a way and, and does things in a way that. We can think about them in terms of context or situations that are really different from the ones that he's talking about, and we can get a lot out of that, Um, and this story is no exception to that. Um, So that's what I'm going to focus on for the most of what I'm talking about. Um, But I just want to say before we jump into it that we've got to be really careful when we do that because we don't want to add anything to what Jesus is saying or um, kind of take him out of context or say things that he's not actually talking about but anyway i'm just going to jump into three things that we can kind of pull out and apply to our situations here today Uh, so the first is that there's going to be times in our life in our lives when uh, we're on the road not the road to emmaus but the metaphorical road and uh, we can't really tell where jesus is or we can't tell how he's working or what his plan is um I mean, if you think about where those two disciples were in that moment, they probably had watched firsthand as Jesus was um, tortured and ridiculed and finally pinned up on a cross where he died by um, crucifixion, which is death by asphyxiation because you can't lift yourself to take a breath of air. And he was hanging from... Like a rough-hewn tree with spikes through his hands and feet, which I've studied a little bit of anatomy at Georgetown, and there's a lot of bones in your hands and feet, (laughs) Um, and it's kind of unimaginable what it would feel like to have a big spike about that big go through the center of your palm on both sides and then your feet as well. Um, And they watched that happen to this guy that they thought was going to be their ultimate liberator and the redeemer of Israel and lead them into glory. And then, three days later, um, some women who were with them went to his tomb and said that he wasn't there and that they saw a vision of angels. And these guys really didn't have any idea what was going on and they were really dejected and they had lost hope in the situation. and. You know, look, I've never had a time in my life where Jesus has, like, died and I didn't know what was going on. Um, But there's plenty of times where I've had plans and I've been in situations um, where I thought I knew what was going on and thought I knew where that situation was going and things weren't working out that way. And they weren't working out at all. And that can be really discouraging. Like, that can really get you down. Um, For instance... When I was a senior in high school, I had two of these things kind of going on at once. So the first was that, OK, so I thought that I was going to graduate high school top of my class, and I was going to go to a great school, and I was going to change the world. And then like on the back end, my family was going to be this loving, supporting family that was going to um, be there with me the whole time, and it was just going to go really well, um, because that's kind of how I grew up. Um, but it turned out that I applied to a bunch of schools and um, I did not get into any of them my senior year. Um, I got rejected by most of them outright and got waitlisted by Georgetown and uh, University of Chicago. And then a few weeks passed and then I got rejected by Chicago. So Georgetown was the only one that I had, I didn't have any safety schools. and. Like my AP Lit teacher started posting the acceptance letters from all my friends on the wall of our classroom, so I'd come in each morning to school and see all of my friends getting into Columbia and St. John's and the University of Montana and Santa Clara and all these schools, and I was the only one in my entire class that didn't have that. Um, and at the same time, my my brother um, was kind of going really downhill. Um, he got involved in drugs and he, he ended up, he started selling meth um, out like from my parents house. Um, and I won't go into all the details of like how that happened and, and what, what that was like, just cause I want to kind of respect his privacy somewhat. But um, I'll just say it was like a really crazy situation and a pretty dangerous one at times. Um, So, things were, like, on both ends, my life felt like it was crumbling at some point, and it wasn't turning out the way I wanted it to, and it didn't feel at all like it was working out. And, you know, it kind of turned around a little bit, when finally, after I had graduated in July, I got into, uh, off the extended wait list, I got a call from Georgetown when I got into school there, um, or I'd been accepted, and I ended up um, Taking my place at Georgetown, I was like, "Okay, I'll come," um, but I was—I had serious reservations about coming here because um, right after I got um, accepted, my brother was got thrown in jail, and like I had like major reservations about flying across the country and leaving my family state in that really kind of fragile situation where I didn't know where that was going to play out. Um, and those, those months, they felt really, really long. Like, it felt like it dragged on forever. And I had no idea what God was doing. And I, like, I remember praying a lot, but being pretty sure that things were going to turn out terribly. And, like, I had basically zero hope at that point. Um, and I was, reading, I was reading this story um, the other day, and I was I was kind of wondering, like, how much longer and more hopeless did that short journey from... Jerusalem to Emmaus field to those two disciples on the road because like things in my life weren't turning out right but I still had like lots of things going on whereas their entire hopes and the the entire their entire reason for living felt like it had just been crushed by the crucifixion of Jesus and they didn't understand yet that the uh, resurrection had happened um so anyway my my life kind of turned around, thank God. Um my brother he got out of jail and got clean and um is doing actually really well now and I've repaired my relationship with him somewhat and I'm finishing up here at Georgetown obviously, um senior year and like I've I've really loved Georgetown. I've made super close friends with a lot of you guys in this room and a lot of other people and um life turned out well. Um so I think in a similar way to the way that Jesus met the disciples on the road, God met me in my situation at Georgetown. And I think um, that kind of gets into my second point, um, which is that God will eventually meet us on the road, and he'll encourage us to believe. Um, So while the two disciples, they were walking out of Jerusalem, which is kind of the symbolic center of God's kingdom, um, while they were walking away from everything that had happened and all of this, the situation that had kind of crushed their hopes, Jesus came up and he walked along beside them. And he met them as they were walking away and as they were without hope. And he listened to what they said. And then, then he told them exactly what they needed to hear in that situation, which is not necessarily what they wanted to hear. The first thing he does is that he rebukes them for not believing. He's pretty harsh with them. Um, and for not remembering all the things that he had said and he'd done um, and all the things which they knew from their uh, religious education that the prophets had said and done. Um, and then from there he proceeded to kind of teach them. And um, they say later that this made their hearts burn. So he, he totally changes their perspective and makes their hearts burn with hope and faith. And they, that God will eventually meet us on the road and encourage us encourage us to believe it doesn't mean that all our problems are going to be solved by believing in God it doesn't mean that life's suddenly going to get easy um, and that pain's going to go away and God will give us the things that we want like money and power or popularity or whatever it is that we're looking for security um, and I actually I actually get pretty uncomfortable when people start talking about like really crappy things that are happening and saying that like God's at work there because, like, yeah, that's definitely true in some sense. But, like, what does it really mean to say, oh, well, that's God's plan? Um, I I don't know. I just, sometimes I think that's a little bit of a flippant way of approaching situations. Um, but what it does mean um, that God will eventually meet us on the road is that God shares his love with us and he works in our hearts um, no matter what the situation is. And it means that we might know what we might not know what the future holds or how the situation is going to shake out, but we do know who's ultimately in control, um, and we can take comfort in that, that God's got us. And that, I, I believe, um, is infinitely greater of a gift than kind of the immediate things that we usually seek out. I mean, then finally what he did is that he, he fellowshiped with them by inviting them into community with him and by just sharing a meal with them. Um, so by breaking bread with them, he... He revealed who he was in that moment, um, and he also reminded them, and reminded us and everybody who's um, read this story and heard the testimony of these two believers, um, he reminded them of what what was said at the Last Supper. I, I think it's really cool that um, it's in the act of simply like sharing a meal with two of his friends that he revealed who he was and... Um, what his love was for them. And, you know, when Jesus met them on the road and started talking with them, they still didn't know who he was. Um, so for most, of, for most of this scene, they don't know who he is yet. Um, and that kind of gets me into my final point, which is that we don't always know how God's going to look um, when he meets us in the places that we're at. So God reveals himself to us in different ways and loves us in different ways. Um, so if you take Paul, for example, God came down and he blinded him on the way to Damascus while he was riding on a donkey, uh, which I think is a really cool story uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and Paul, in that moment, wasn't even looking for God. Um, God presents himself to Paul and in a way that could not be ignored. And that's pretty different from on, on the road to Emmaus when he simply walks up and starts talking to them. Um, or with Moses in the Old Testament, he presents himself in a burning bush, God does, and um, on top of a mountain at Horeb in kind of pitch-black darkness. So there's a lot of different ways in the Bible in which God reveals himself to, um, to his disciples. But I've never had any of those, those kinds of things happen to me, um, believe it or not. Um, but I do think that God shows his light to everyone in some way. Um, and I can testify that he's done that uh, for me in a lot of different ways. And um, I'd be happy to talk about those with you guys at some point. Um, but, you know, I don't really have an answer to the question of why some people see God uh, and God's truth and other people's just pass it by. And I don't know why God reveals himself to some people in some ways and other people in other ways. But I can say that um, we can know that God speaks to us in different ways, um, so we should always be ready to listen, no matter how little the situation seems like it might come from God. Um, and we know that God speaks through us for a lot of or speaks speaks through us um, for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons mm-hmm. is to show His love to other people through us. Um, so in John thirteen, Jesus says. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's our duty then um, to love one another, to love our neighbors. And one of the reasons why is that that's one of the primary ways in which God shows himself and his love um, to the people around us. Um, and that's, that becomes our responsibility. Um, So real quick, I'm going to talk about some takeaways, and then we're going to um, have communion. Um, So I think, if we're honest about it, we live a lot of our lives in this kind of uncertain state um, and the confusion that those disciples were feeling on the road to Emmaus. Um, And, you know, it might not be as serious as the times I was talking about, or it might be a lot more serious. Um, But regardless of, like, how... Serious, the uncertainty is. I think that there's a lot of points at which we don't really know, um, or we don't feel like Jesus is right beside us, um, along with us in those times. So to kind of counter that, I think we have to, we've got to live with the memories of the things that He's done for us in the past, and with uh, hope for the things that He's going to do in the future. We also need to live with His words close to our hearts. And there's kind of three ways that we can do that. Uh, the first is by embracing a real devotional life and getting into his word, um, into God's word and into prayer on a regular basis and not treating that as a chore, but as a, a time in which we can really grow, grow close to God so that in the uncertain times um, and in the times in which we might be tempted to lose hope, we're equipped with that um, closeness to God so that we can lean on Him. Um, we can also do it by embracing real community in our life groups. Um, I think it's cool. I I know most of you guys, and I know which life groups you're in, and I think it's really cool the way um, those have really come together and built friendships that are important um, because, you know, friendships are fun, and, and there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of those regularly, but... The kind of deep relationships that I've been able to build in the life groups I've been in and the kind of relationships that you all have been able to build with the people in your life groups um, is just really cool to watch because in those uncertain times, you can lean on each other. Um, And then finally, I think we have a real responsibility to show God's love to the people around us because chances are they're they're on the road in the uncertainty and the... um, kind of despair maybe that we sometimes feel we are as well and God puts us in those situations so that we can minister to those um, people alongside of us and um, one of the ways we can do that is by sharing a meal with them um, so with that I think we're going to um, I'm going to turn it over to Kai to uh, his going on communion but I'm just going to read real quick the uh, last bit of this passage one more time um, and if you guys want to focus on the, the part here where um, the disciples recognized Jesus. So it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Um yeah so you turn it over to time